Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on in the Bible series from the book of Joshua with this message entitled, Covenant Life. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Joshua chapter 1. Now here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father, we fully are persuaded We are certain of the fact that your Holy Spirit has come into our midst. O Holy Spirit, we pray that you help the preacher and help those who hear the word preached. Without your assistance, all our efforts are useless. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our sovereign Lord. Amen. I want to speak to you about covenant life. The opposite of covenant life is selfism. Covenant life requires relationship with God and with other people. Covenant life repudiates individualism and selfism and self-centeredness the philosophy I want to do what I want to do when I want to do how I want to do and I don't care what you think about it this is self-interest self-centeredness the moment you are converted such life comes to an end We are called to live a covenant life. Christian life is covenant life. It is the opposite of individualistic, self-centered life. Covenant is an agreement between two or more persons. Church life is covenant life. It is community life. Therefore, one seeks not one's own interest, but the interest of the entire community. A husband looks for the interest of the wife. Parents look for the interest of their children. A believer in Christ looks for the interest of the whole community of believers that he is part of. When a believer is baptized, he confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. He enters into a covenant with the Lord. From that point on, he denies himself and takes up his cross daily and follow Christ. He no longer lives for himself. The greatest idol is self. And Christ demands to deny self and follow him. When he joins local church, he enters into a covenant with the church. And seeks the welfare of that community. He is a member of the body of Christ. When he marries, he enters into a marriage covenant with his wife. He ceases to be a single person. He keeps the covenant of marriage by self-denial and faithfulness to his marriage covenant. It is true, many who enter into a covenant-based life... Fail to live that life. They fail to keep their word. They become self-pleasers. But the Bible detests such people. And praises those who keeps his oath even when it hurts. Psalm 15 and verse 4. Remember Joshua's agreement with the Gibeonites. 
Gibeonites were Canaanites, but they deceived Joshua. But Joshua and the leaders entered into a covenant with them. And they kept that covenant, even though it did hurt Joshua. The one who lived a true covenant life, even though it hurt him, was our Lord Jesus Christ. In the eternal council, he agreed to become incarnate and be like us. He agreed to live a perfect life under God's law and to die a sacrificial death in our behalf, in behalf of the elect people of God. And he did fulfill that covenant with the Father. And he did so in the fullness of time. Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem those who are under the law. At Gethsemane he prayed. For the removal of the cup of God's wrath. Which was given to him to drink. But then he prayed immediately. Not my will but thine be done. This Jesus Christ calls us all to live a covenant life. Putting the interest of God and our fellow believers before our own. I would like to illustrate this covenant life from the history of the tribes of Reuben, Gad and half tribe of Manasseh. As recorded especially in Numbers chapter 32 and Joshua chapter 1 and also Joshua chapter 22. The first point then is the sin of these tribes. And the sin was a rejection of the covenant life. After 40 years of Leaving Egypt, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness due to their own unbelief and rebellion. They murmured against their covenant Lord and they all died in the desert. We are told that they did not enter into the rest of their inheritance because of their disobedience now the second generation finally arrived east of the Jordan River we are told that they defeated Sihon the king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan you know who Og is he is the inventor of king size bed (laughs) you know what the size was 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. The Israelites thus possessed the territories of these two Amorite kings. Stretching on the east side of Jordan River. Stretching from Arnon River in the south to Mount Hermon. North beyond the Sea of Galilee. They thus possessed hundreds of cities of the Amorites, including such fertile land like Bashan and Gilead. The Bible speaks about cows of Bashan, means sleek, well-fed because of the fertile land. These two and a half tribes possessed large numbers of livestock. And you read about that in Numbers 32 verse 1 and Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 19. So they approached Moses and other leaders with this request. Numbers 32 verse 5. Please do not make us cross the Jordan. But let us possess these fertile lands on the east side 
of John. In this request, we can see their rejection of covenant obligations and covenant life. Their rejection of community life. Their responsibility toward the rest of the tribes they rejected in favor of their own self-interests. They were looking for their own interest and not the interest of all the 12 tribes. They were not living by faith. They were rejecting God's plan. They were seeking the interest of their cattle. They were behaving like Lot many centuries before. We read in Genesis chapter 13, Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan for the same purpose for the livestock for cattle because he possessed a lot of cattle Lot made a decision based on sites based on cattle not based on faith in like manner these two and a half tribes were making selfish decisions based not on faith but on their selfish material interests. Remember what Jesus said, the Gentiles run after these things. These things there means money. The Gentiles live for money. They make decisions based on the possibility of making more money. I'll give you more money, go to New York. They will say, fine, no problem, I'll go to New York. I'll give you money, work 95 hours, oh, no problem at all. I'll do anything for making another buck. They make decisions based on the possibility of making more money and more money. They have no interest in the life of faith. How many times we in the past made decisions like Lot and like these tribes. We make decisions based on self-interest and not based on the interest of God and his community. So if you read Numbers chapter 32, Moses was displeased and angry at the request of these tribes to possess the land on the east and not cross the Jordan with the rest of the tribes and fight the Lord's battles. So he called them brood of sinners. Numbers 32 and verse 14. Maybe Jesus called the Pharisees brood of vipers. Harking back to this statement by Moses Moses said to them and read 32 and verse 6 of Numbers shall your brothers go to war while you sit here while you are having a good time and you want your brothers you see they didn't think about brothers They didn't think in terms of community. They didn't think in terms of 12 tribes. They only thought in terms of themselves. Shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? They did not want to fight. They just want to enjoy what others fought for and conquered. They did not want to cross the mighty Jordan. And endanger themselves. They wanted to enjoy a good life. They said. 
in effect. Let others fight the wars of the Lord. Let others cross the Jordan. Let others fight against the Amorites. We want to rest. We want to enjoy our lives. Taking care of our livestock. We are sick and tired of these years of wandering. We have no more stomach for more battle. What are these two and a half tribes doing? They are rejecting covenant life. Community life. They want to live a self-centered life. Even so, there are believers who confess Jesus as Lord. And take upon themselves covenant responsibilities. Only to reject covenant life. Preferring a self-pleasing life. Divorce. You ask, what is divorce? Divorce proves the rejection of marriage covenant. Divorce proves self-centeredness. Even so, removing oneself from a local church for selfish reasons proves rejection of covenant community life and proves the affirmation of the sinful selfism. And the second point I want to speak to you is the repentance and renewal of the covenant. And you read that, number 32, beginning with verse 16. So these two and a half tribes repented of their sins and renewed their covenant. And so they entered into an agreement with Moses and Joshua and Elise and other elders of the community. And it is written down for us to read in the 32nd chapter of Numbers. They said a number of things including these three things. They said, their armed men will cross over Jordan with their brothers. See, they repented of their sins. And they said, we are going to march and cross over Jordan. The mighty, strong men in our tribes. Number two, they agreed they will go ahead of everybody else to face the greatest danger of fighting they will be the vanguard number three they agreed they will not return to their homes on the east side of Jordan until every Israelite has received his inheritance it is one thing to promise it is one thing to renew the covenants one thing to repent it is entirely another thing to keep that promise even when it hurts when God promises we can rely on his promises God cannot lie God does not change God is not a man the Bible says that he should lie he promised rest to all the tribes and he would keep that promise and so Paul says about God for no matter how many promises God has made they all are yes in Christ so the question is Will these two and a half tribes, Reuben, Gad, and half tribe of Manasseh, will they fulfill what they had promised to Moses in their repentance and covenant renewal? Moses didn't really believe their promises, but he agreed to their covenant renewal conditionally. 
Let's turn to Numbers chapter 32 and take a look at six ifs that you find in Numbers 32, 20, 21, 23, 29, and 30. Verse 20, then Moses said to them, if you will do this, you see, every promise in the scripture is conditioned. In other words, you are not going to be saved until you repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every promise is based on a condition. You cannot fool God and say, God bless me, I don't want to keep your condition. Here then there are six ifs. And Moses said to them, if you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for battle, and if all of you will go armed over the Jordan, verse 23, but if you fail to do this, Verse 30, but if they do not cross over. And verse 29, he said to them, if the Gadites and Reubenites, every man armed for battle, cross over and so on. You see, it is easy to promise God. We do that all the time. We think he's an old man and you say whatever you want. He forgets what you said. And then we say, bless me. It it will not happen. You cannot fool him. Take a look at verse 22. Then, then, when the land is subdued before the Lord, you may return then. In other words, if you fulfill the conditions, then you will return. Then you shall be blessed. God blesses people as they walk in the way of obedience. Then. If then. Think about that, your own life. How many promises we made in our prayer, in our repentance, in our renewal, with tears, when we were in tough situation, in their trouble, they called upon the name of the Lord. And we would say this, we would say that, and only to forget the next morning. So we must ask the question, are they giving out a lot of hot air? Or are they going to fulfill their promises? Think of the promises we made to the Lord at baptism. To the church, when we joined the church. To our spouses and God at our marriage. To God and the church when we dedicated our children. What happened to all that promises we made? Think of all the promises you have made. Have you fulfilled it? You promised us a Christian. You promised in the name of the Lord. We are to speak truth. St. Peter tells us we are to speak as the oracles of God. At least that means we cannot lie. We are to speak as the oracles of God. We are to be like God in keeping our word. May God help us. Help us all to keep our word. Even if it hurts us. Number three, yes, they sinned in rejecting covenant life. Second, they repented and renewed their covenant. Now the question, the third is covenant keeping. Did they keep what they promised to Moses and then to Joshua and to the leaders? Did they keep them? Now I studied this. The answer is a resounding yes. It's an amazing thing. About these two and a half tribes. They were better than we are. 
though their wives and children were deprived of the privilege of witnessing and experiencing the miracle of Jordan parting by divine power, though they failed to witness the walls of Jericho falling and other great miracles of God, these tribes fulfilled their word to God's full satisfaction. That's an amazing thing. We are told, let's turn to chapter 4 of Joshua. And I'll read to you from verse 10 through 13. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. Now the Holy Spirit tells us something about these tribes. The men of Reuben, Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed in front of the Israelites. That's what they agreed. As Moses had directed them, about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. They did it. Turn to chapter 12. I want to say, secondly, they fought in every battle. On this side of Jordan, they defeated 31 kings. And these people, 40,000 strong, fought in every battle, bringing victory for Israel. And turn with me to chapter 21. You see they promised. That they will not return until. Every Israelite. Received rest. That means inheritance. And in chapter 21. Let me read to you from 43. To 45. And as I speak. Examine your own life. How many times you told the pastor, told the elders, told your father, told the mother, told everybody else. You promised many things. Only to renege. Change your mind. That's not going to accrue to your blessing. It will never happen. Every infraction will be punished. So these people said, we will not return until every Israelite received their rest, their inheritance. So here it is. Joshua 21, beginning with 43. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sown to give their forefathers. And they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side. Just as he had sown to their forefathers. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord handed all their enemies over to them. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Even though God gave them rest, they still did not return. As good soldiers, they waited for the order of the general. And you see that in chapter 22. Then Joshua summoned. That is after everyone is given rest. These people fought, defeated all these kings, got all those territories. Everyone is given rest. Then Joshua summoned the Jubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have done. Notice. All that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. And you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. This is like what God would say to 
his people on the last day, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Promises made. Promises kept by these people. They put their lives in danger for their brothers. When they were convicted of their sin, they repented of this. All right. We were selfish. And we repent of it. And we are going to go over Jordan. And we are going to fight every battle. For the whole community. And when you study the history, you notice they fought not for a day or a month or a year. From Joshua chapter 14, we can deduce that they fought for seven long years. All 40,000 of them, seven long years. I want you to know that they were away from their wives, their children, their possessions. They trusted in God for the welfare of their families. They paid a high price for their obedience. That sacrifice that these people made in fulfillment of their covenantal obligations. They did all these seven years of fighting, not for them, but for the rest of the brothers. They made sacrifices. Unlike the older generations, concerning which we read, that they murmured every time they were faced with troubles. But we do not read even one time these people murmuring. They trusted in God. They kept their promises. They obeyed everything Moses commanded. And they obeyed everything Joshua commanded. Turn to Joshua chapter 1 and let's listen to what they are saying in response to Joshua's word. Remember what you agreed with Moses and therefore you must cross over they agreed but listen to what they are saying this is unconditional surrender verse 16 then they answered Joshua whatever you command there's no limit unconditional whatever you command we will do and then read it Wherever you send, we will go. Then later on it says, whoever rebels against you will be put to death. In other words, you put us to death if we will not obey you. That's what. This is what we say when we say to the greater Joshua, Jesus is Lord. This is what we are saying to him. Whatever you command, we will do. Wherever you send, we will go. And if we don't do it, put us to death. That's covenant language. Obedience brings blessing and disobedience brings curse. Think about the certification of Joshua. You see, turn to chapter 22 of Joshua. This great warrior, he is so pleased with these people. And listen to the language. You have done. Verse 2. Chapter 20. Do you have done all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded. And you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. As they promised in chapter 1. As I said they did not go back. Even though God gave rest. They are waiting for the general to give them order. To go back. You have obeyed completely. And may God speak that concerning us. We have obeyed God completely. And they learn covenant life. Look at verse 3 and 4. Joshua 22. For a long time now. How many years? 
seven years. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not what? Deserted your brothers. That's what they were trying to do before. When somebody comes and get married and they walk out, desertion, they desert. They come to a church and agree with everything and they walk out, they desert. They are covenant breakers. They have no covenant life. They are self-centered. They deny their own words and pretend that everything is going to be all right. But notice these people after seven years, they did not desert your brothers. See the relationship we have with everybody else. They learned the lesson. They were sinful when they didn't want to go across the river Jordan and fight the battle. They were selfish, but they repented. Now the Lord, your God, it says, you did not desert your brothers. See, I'm not alone. I have brothers. That's what a church is all about. We have brothers. We have sisters. Everybody is connected with everybody else. It's not a bunch of individuals coming and getting out. We are connected. As many members in one body, we are connected. We have particular functions for the common good. And look at verse 4. Now that the Lord, your God, has given your brothers rest. We are our brothers keepers. And look at verse 4. Now that the Lord God has given your brothers rest as he promised, return to your homes. The general's order. They will not take one step unless the general gives them permission. Your military obligation is over. But notice in verse 5, which is very important, 22 and verse 5. Your military obligation is over, but your covenant obligation to the Lord continues on. Therefore, notice that one verse, verse 5. But be very careful. Your past is fine, but the future... Pay attention to, he says. Be very careful, what? To keep the commandment and the law that the Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. Then we are given certain infinitives, certain purposes. What are they? To keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. To love the Lord your God. To walk in his ways. To obey his commands. To hold fast to him. And to serve him with all your heart. And all your soul. This is the same. You read in Deuteronomy 6.5. And this is the same. Jesus said. What is the greatest commandment? And he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Mind, soul and strength. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see the covenant life is relational life to God and to God's people. In other words, you obeyed Moses and you obeyed me completely. Military obligation is over. You can go home, but remember to live a covenant life before God. And notice Joshua blessed them. Verse 6 and verse 7. Joshua blessed them. You see, the idea is covenant is so important. When you walk in covenant, there is a blessing. When you oppose, walk in disobedience, there is a curse. They did not enter into the rest because of their unbelief. They all died in the wilderness. This idea still continues. There are people today who say, in the Old Testament you had to obey God. In the New Testament you don't have to. Ha! Ha 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 ha! Isn't that wonderful? It's a false idea. Jesus Christ said, if you love me, what? Keep my command. There is no change. God is unchanging. Joshua blessed them. Covenant obedience brings blessing covenant disobedience brings curse Joshua 
bless them. Now this blessing is not just a wish or some magic. But it is a bestowal of material and spiritual blessings. In the name of the Lord. After the pattern of the patriarchal blessing. Remember Jacob blessed. Abraham blessed. Isaac blessed. It is not just an empty word. It means something. In like manner there is a blessing when we keep the covenant. There is a curse for every infraction of the terms of the covenant. Every infraction. Turn to Numbers 32 and this verse has become a proverb in our culture. You see, Moses was told by these tribes that they would keep the covenant. But Moses is not buying it. He puts a lot of conditions. And then look at verse 23 of chapter 32 of Numbers. But if you fail to do this, you'll be sinning against the Lord. And what? Your sin will find you out. In other words, you'll be dealt with. You will suffer the consequence of sin. You see, we don't believe that. We make promises. We enter into agreements. We say everything. We say yes. Only to forget what we said. A day ago. Or two days ago. Or two years ago. And we think... No matter what we do, the blessing will come. It doesn't come. Your sin will find you out. And look at the blessings these people had. Chapter 28 of Joshua and verse 8 speaks about the blessing they received as a result of their covenant keeping and going and fighting. They were enriched. They were blessed. Verse 8. Saying. Return. This is the command of the general. Return to your homes. What? With your great wealth. They came over Jordan empty handed. And they are returning with what? Great wealth. With large herds of livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and great quantity of clothing. There is a blessing when we keep covenants, when we walk in the way of obedience. You shall lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, and we shall lack nothing. But then notice, you see, there were certain men were on the other side. To take care of the women and children and the livestock. In fact, 70,000 if you calculate men were on the other side. And so he says, now, you take this wealth, but make sure what? You divide it with your brothers. Covenant idea. That you cannot just take home this wealth and keep it to yourselves. Covenant life means distribution to those who did not fight, but they were by their stuff. They were taking care of other responsibilities. Again, the idea of covenant. Divide with brothers who stayed in the other side, on the other side, protecting the families and taking care of the livestock. Don't be selfish. Don't ever live that covenant denying life. Don't ever live a self-centered life. Live a community oriented life. That's what he's saying. Keep that covenant idea, community idea in mind. We are not alone. We are a family. The Bible says when one suffers... Everyone suffers. That's covenant idea. One suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, all rejoice. And First John chapter 3 verse 16 says, We are to lay down our life for our brothers. Initially they rejected covenant life. They were self-centered. 
Yet they repented and promised to live covenant life. And they fulfilled the promise. Joshua certified it. Joshua blessed them. They promised to live a covenant life. And they fulfilled it. But the Lord begins. He completes. And what we begin. We must complete. To be God like. These tribes began. And they completed Remember Achan? That's another person who rejected covenant life, became self-centered. He saw and he coveted and he took gold and silver and garment for himself. And he went and hid it. And he was killed and his family. That is the cursing of the covenant. These people repented and renewed their covenant and fulfilled it. And they received a blessing. For a Christian... For a Christian, self-seeking is a dangerous enterprise. He shall not be blessed. Your sin shall find you out. Let's give you a couple of examples of people who did not live covenant life. Book of Judges chapter 5. There was a great war. The Israelites fought a war with Jabin, a Canaanite king, and with his uh, general Sisera, 9,000 iron chariots and so on. And it was the responsibility of all 12 tribes to come and assist. Let's turn to chapter 5 of Judges, verse 16 and 17. Why did you stay among the campfires to hear the whistling of the flocks? In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Oh, yeah, they had they had a number of meetings. They discussed it. They soul searched it, but they did not show up. You see, they denied the unity that exists in the people of God. They did not come and to help. Look at verse 17. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan and Dan. Why did he linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves, self-centered life. They refused to come and help Deborah and Barak in their battle against Canaanites. But notice God is praising. Look at verse 18. Certain people who did understand covenant responsibility and came. The people of Sebeloon risked their very lives. So did Naphtali on the heights of the field. They risked their lives and came to fight against the enemies of Israelites. And turn with me to the Psalm 78, where God's disapproval of covenant rejecting life. Psalm 78, 9 and 10. The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. You see, God rejects a believer or a husband or a wife who will not live by covenantal obligations that person has toward others. It is a curse. Do we make decisions based on cattle, based on money? Do we, like Gentiles, run after these things? Rejecting covenantal obligations, pursuing selfish interests. True riches consist in relational lives. Our relationship with the Lord. Our relationship, husband and wife relationship. Parents relationship with children. Our relationship with brothers and sisters. That's what true treasure is all about. Your sin shall find you out. Every infraction of the terms of the covenant will be punished. You cannot say something. You cannot promise something and forget about it. All those people who divorced their wives or husbands, they all promised. Isn't it? I'm still talking about Christian people. They promised before God and these witnesses, but they turned away from their promises and they think God is going to bless them. It shall never happen. 
Next, keep your word. Even when it hurts. And especially when it hurts. The unshakable man of Psalm 15 is the righteous man. In his dealings with his fellow human beings. Next, make every effort to maintain the unity of the community established by the Holy Spirit. You should not contribute to the disruption of the community. If you do, God will judge you. The Lord Jesus said, In John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give you. Love yourself. (laughs) Is that what he said? No. He said, love one another. That's covenant life. Love one another. As I have loved you. You don't even have the right to love the way you want to love. As I have loved you means he loved by his death on the cross. And as I have loved you means you must lay down your life for your brother. This is serious community life. So you must love one another. You must. Who is he? I don't have anything to do with that person. No, you have everything to do with that person. He is saved by Christ and brought into his family. And then Jesus said, by this all men may know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So brothers and sisters, let us keep our eyes on Jesus, who kept his covenant even when it hurt him in his death on the cross. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who keeps his covenant with you. He is faithful. Let us be faithful to him and his blood-bought family, the church of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I have delivered the message. You have granted me the unction and the authority and the content and the clarity and the courage and your Holy Spirit was working in the lives of those hearers. We pray that you bless everyone. Help us to reject individualism, selfism, and help us to live a covenant life that we may be blessed by you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Joshua. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthews.